Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, Assistant Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And on today's podcast, we have... Brittany Roberts, who is our new, as of January, right, coordinator of diversity and inclusion. Um, She graduated from Northwest in 2016 with a degree in political science with a minor in criminal justice. Please welcome Brittany. Welcome. Thank you, guys. That was so beautifully done. So beautiful. Well, thank you. Yeah, I rely a lot on short-term memory for those introductions. (laughs) Welcome to our podcast, Brittany. We're very excited to have you here. Oh, I'm honored. One thing that I really love, so you've been here just a few short months with us. Can you tell us, as a coordinator of diversity and inclusion, what an average day in your life looks like? Oh, wow. It's it's really interesting. All the cool people. It's really cool being a coordinator of diversity and inclusion because it's in every department. It's It's in departments with faculty, staff, professors, like students. It's really cool to be able to play a piece of everything and know that it's going to be incorporated in those things. So my day could be talking to students, helping them get through financial aid, trying to get get their classes together for the summer to going to human resources and doing a training on microaggression. So it's really cool to be able to do different things throughout the weeks and have different stuff happen. So I know that you all as coordinators do a lot of programming on campus. Maybe how do you manage, because I know some of those things are like urgent needs that come up on a daily basis. So how do you manage like your programming, which is a little more scheduled, right? And then firefighting kind of on the side. It's all about time management. And that's something you've had to learn, like being a Bearcat here anyway, time management is a thing. So just trying to balance it all just comes with knowing, okay, I have this at six. We have this fire to put out at three. Let me go ahead and see if I can get this put out by 4.30 so I can at least go get some food and be ready for this programming at six. So that's really it. And um, we do a good balance here with the three of us, me, Nina, and Dr. Mallet of, okay, that you're doing this, I'll pick up over here. So just having that team aspect helps out a lot. And so that no one just gets overwhelmed with a bunch of stuff, especially Dr. Mallet with all the things he has to do too. So we all kind of stick together. Yeah, I think that what you all accomplished, considering how few of you were in the office, we're also a small office. And, you know, you guys are all over the place everywhere doing all kinds of stuff. So you do an amazing job considering how small your staff is. Thank you. We try. And it's especially right now where finals is coming up after midterms have happened and now everyone's panicking. I'm like, oh, now it's becoming fire fires. They're like, how do I fix this? I'm like, ooh, that's not diverse. That is a really good insight, though, and something that we see as a team as well. You really have to learn how to work as a team because sometimes things just come at you and come at you and come at you and you have to offload some of it. You know, you have to share that burden with your team members. You can't always be taking everything. Oh, yes. It'd be, you'll be overwhelmed. You'll get emotionally distraught. Mental days are definitely a thing after like having everything to do. Like yesterday we had a women's history kickoff where we showed disclosure and it was so much you're like, oh, and then having to come in today and having to deal with someone feeling like they've been discriminated against and all the feeling of oppression. I had my book club where we talk about race and it, it does, it becomes a lot. So being able to take a step back and say, hey, Nina, could you man the desk and I'm going to take an hour real quick because it does become a lot. So being able to focus in and know when it becomes a lot and read each other helps a lot with the team. I'd like to take a brief moment to rewind back through Brittany's life. 
all the way back to young Brittany. I always love to ask people, what was their first real paid job experience? My first real job, um, actually, I've always, uh, I worked here. This was my first real job. Uh, not right now, but I did student security. I did SAC, which was, they gave us a stipend, which I didn't know. That was really cool. Uh, so just doing some, I was a student peer advisor for TRIO. There we go, student peer advisor for TRIO. So I got paid for doing that. I like to do jobs that help me to stay focused with school because I was scared to get a job off campus because then I was like, then I'm just going to fail everything. So I like had to work here where I can study still and I can get go do my test real quick and knew that it was going to be up. So that really, I, that was something that scared me in high school. So I never worked in high school. So I got to focus on studies. I got to focus on my studies. Can't be working at McDonald's. So this was my first job too. So how did you find Northwest? Where are you from originally and how did you get to Northwest? Um, I'm from St. Louis. And my best friend was coming here. I, I applied just, uh, I was like, okay, bestie, we're going to go together. And I really was still up in the air, but they gave me the most money for financial aid. <laughs> so I was like, well, that's the winner. And I wanted to do something different. Like I've always been in the bigger cities and doing did a bunch of stuff. I was a military brat, so I traveled a lot. So I've never been to a smaller location. So this is my first time I've been to a small place. And I enjoy it. It's not too bad. What were your initial impression? Did you like it as well at first or did it take some getting used to? Definitely took some getting used to. Um, it's And it still does. I've lived here for a decade. It's so weird to even say that. It's been 10 years and it doesn't feel like that. Um, it's very quiet. And it was really weird for me because like when you live in St. Louis, it's always something going at any time of the day, night. So like for the longest time, I had to sleep with like the Simpsons on or something that created a louder <laughs> type of thing because the quiet is too quiet. So that would be my biggest thing that I had to do when I was here. Did you come into Northwest as a political science major or is that something you found through your time here? Yeah, I found that after I was like, okay, I want I wouldn't, I came in pre-med. I was going to be a doctor. Grey's Anatomy hit. So I'm going to do that. And no, I can't. I was like, I can act. I, maybe I'll be an actor. I can act <laughs> like a doctor. But yeah, being a doctor was not in my cards. I am not that good with math or science. I was like, oh, I can play with guys. I was like, Brittany, why don't you think of mortician or something? I don't know. I'm intrigued to doctor. And then after I was like, okay, I can't do that. I'm not really passionate about that. Because to me, if you don't have that passion behind it, you don't have the desire. So you don't really want to fulfill it. So I was like, okay, what do I like? And my first, the class I took, um, Intro to Government Politics with um, with uh, Professor Wake. I loved it. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to, I love, I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on outside. I need to know what's happening. And the way you know what's happening is understanding the processes of things and the government. So that's where I went to. I have had probably five or 10 conversations very similar to that with students just in the last couple of weeks when they come in and they say, I'm taking these classes and I'm not doing well in the classes. And I think we sort of developed this mindset of like, you must get good grades in all your classes. But the truth is, if you don't like, if it's a difficult class and you don't like the class, maybe that's a sign that you're not supposed to be studying in that area. You know, we have a lot of, there's a lot of options here at Northwest. We have, as Travis was saying, the other 126 majors, I think. So maybe the one that you're in, maybe that's just kind of a sign. You know, I, I think we should support and work through things, but maybe that's just not an area that you're interested in. Cause if you're interested in it, like your curiosity is peaked, you'll be more engaged in that. 
yeah, you want to read the books because you want to figure out it's like like wanting to figure out how the how the end goes. But if you start the book, you're like, I don't like. You're in the middle. You then you're still like, I don't like this. Then you might want to put it down and try another one. Definitely, I agree. <laughs> that passion. If you don't have the passion for it, you won't have the joy to do it, and you don't want to do it. And you fail class. Exactly. So as a student, so you did student security. Yes. And you worked for SAC. Like, talk to me about some of those experiences. How did you find the positions? What did you do in them? Well, I enjoyed, I really liked uh, UPD. I love Clarence. It was always really cool. Um, so he he let me know, like, hey, we have an opening. And I had my brother here with me, and we both applied, and we got it. It was really interesting because I didn't know what all came in it. They was like, oh, you guys will carry mace. I was like, oh, I'm going to have pepper spray. I'm going to have to watch out now. Like, you know, you got to grab it. And then it was like, oh, so you have to be sprayed with it. I was like, sprayed with it. And so they lined us all up. I think they still do it because that's the rules. If you carry, you got to know like how it feels. So you're not just go happy, go lucky with it. It was the worst ever. Like getting sprayed with mace. And they did it really close. I watched people be maced. And I was like, we got, it was really close, like right here. So it was an interesting experience with that. And we definitely made us all closer as a team for student security, understanding all, they poured, we had milk, they were pouring all over our faces. I didn't care. It was crazy. And then they made us go pick up the keys. That's okay, you've been mates. Now find your keys because you're in the crowd. I was like, oh, I'm in the field and I can't find these keys and I've been maced. What are you trying to do here? <laughs> Just be glad they didn't give you guns. <laughs> no, that was crazy. Just give me like, new uh, ideas for team training. <laughs> That's a good team builder. I bet you guys will be close as, as close as pods <laughs> and the peas and pods. Uh, and then SAC was really awesome. I think it opened my eyes to a lot of things, organizations that I didn't know, especially being like a underrepresented student. I didn't know all the things that happened on campus or how it came about. So it felt really cool. And even to the fact that I was in SAC and they trusted us with thousands of thousands of dollars. I was like, little old me, 19 years old, you trust me with $250,000 to make sure we have entertainment or things like that. So it was really cool to have that new responsibility. And like, it helped me, I can honestly say, helped me to budget as an adult because I was like, okay, like you can't go over this budget. And it really helped me out growing up a lot. So SAC played a big part in that. I was a member of uh, Zeta Phi Beta. That was really awesome. Like putting all that on my shoulders because it's not a lot of uh, historically black fraternities or sororities here. So it was, just, it was a lot of life-changing experiences like being here as a student so that helped me that helped me to do things where I'm hopefully doing the right things now, trying to help put those things in place. So as you, so you were a student, you were very active, you gained all of this experience. Can you remember back to, you know, that feeling of getting ready to graduate? So how did you prepare to find a job after you graduated and, and what happened for you? Where did your journey take you next? It was actually um, a lot of places, like the, the whole norm here was if you want quick money, you go work at Clarinda Academy or you go to the group homes. And I was like, huh, like, and then when I looked up Clarinda Academy and saw that it deal with like juveniles and things like that, criminal justice, I'm like, ooh, that, so it worked out where it was, I was able to do my internship there and get that stuff done. And then it turned, just like most internships, when you do it, it kind of turns into like a career path a little bit. And it definitely was my passion. I never even thought I liked kids. I was like, ooh, this is going to be an easy A. I'm going to be an overnight staff. I'm going to sit there and while they sleep in, it's going to be easy. And then someone, it was a behavior that happened and I handled it very, apparently very well. And the supervisor was like, oh no, you need to be here in the daytime. I said, but I don't want to, it's going to be easy. I was going to get paid and get my grade. And, and then it turned into something I really enjoyed doing, being able to talk to people. Because being out in 
um, Clarinda is this a small, smaller town than Maryville. So there's a lot of people that were working there that hadn't had an interaction with a Native American, a, a person of Black descent, like Hispanics, any of that. So it was really like, you can see like they were confused, scared, didn't know what people were saying, couldn't hear through the accents. We had a kid from Africa, so his accent was really thick. We had a kid from Brazil. So like being able to help not just the students, but that culture there from, from that town to grow, I think was my biggest accomplishment and made me want to stay there to help. Because then if you leave and you're that bridge of communication to help both sides and it gets worse. So what was your, what was your actual job title whenever you started working there full time? Oh, I went from youth counselor, which is just a normal like person that hangs out with the kids and uh, make sure they're doing things programming wise, making sure they're staying busy, has a schedule. And then I went to a group leader, which is the person who's over your youth counselors. And I ended at um, program director before I left to come here. Um, And that's just when you program direct, you just help train those people to understand why you schedule, understanding why kids are doing those things. And really teaching them that behaviors just don't happen, but there's a why to it. And you figure out the why you can help that behavior rather than just get frustrated or think that this person is just a, a bad kid or what you've learned from movies or in the media. So just helping doing that, those things, because we had a lot of kids from group homes, from prisons, all of those like different type of aspects of being able to play that key role is a lot because you're having so many different dynamics. So that was my job, which saying it out loud sounds like a lot, but it really wasn't that crazy. So what what did you learn working at Clorinda? What, what is one of the things that you, that sticks out to you that you learned in your time there? Everyone has a story. The way you end your story is all up to you. And like, it doesn't have to end right there. Cause a lot of kids came there. It's like, um, if I go back, I'm just going to get back in trouble. This is going to happen. And I'm actually able to talk to them. And now after they've left and they're like, actually, I, I decided not to do that. Or when I reached out to you, I didn't go back to doing that. I decided to turn myself in and go into foster care instead of just staying there and being bad. And it, was, it feels really good. And there's some sad stories as well. Like I get texts, it's like this person has passed and things like that. And it just, it teaches me to like make sure I'm moving forward and people I pass, maybe even smile at them, like be that comfort that they may need in that moment that can help them in their future to carry carry on. A lot of the, um, a lot of the kids I had, it was, they didn't have parents that, that loved them, that showed them that care and support. I still, my very first, we have primaries where you, um, have a specific student that you kind of become that parent for that guidance like you guide all of the students of course but this one in particular is where you take ownership like I'm gonna have accountability with you. and he still calls me his mom his black mom <laughs> he's a little white kid from Iowa and he's still like at this point he's got to be 22 and he's like hey like I need some advice and he says thanks mom and it really touched my heart like, oh you still call me your mom that's really cool so um just being, being there for people can mean a lot more than people think. Like even just talking, sitting down and saying, hey, or listening is all you can do sometimes. Like I can't fix that, but I can be that ear. I think that plays a big key part in a lot of things that people is, it's not, it's not seen like that. They over, they don't think about it like that. So I think going back to the basics of listening and talking, it increased understanding and you, you can take it to the moon. What made you choose to come to Northwest after being at Clorinda? I was at Clorinda so long, but I lived here in Maryville this whole time. But with Clorinda, there were so, such long hours. I basically lived there. Like I came here to sleep and I went back. And then after that, I was like, man, I've lived in this town so long. And I don't, didn't know anything that was happening here because I wasn't here. 
So I, after that, I was like, I really want to give back to where I do live. And those Missouri taxes are not fun to pay when you work in Iowa. So I was like, let me <laughs> But like, really, I was like, I have to, I can't just live here. This is my alma mater. Like, I loved it. It taught me so much. Like I said in the beginning, I was like, I want to be able to give something back. And to be honest, I can say what I do here is almost what I did at Clorinda, except, you know, people aren't just fighting sometimes or cursing each other out. I mean, it depends on the day, but like being able to just help people and be that understanding and help people understand ideas of problem solving and saying, okay, this may have happened. It's a roadblock. It doesn't mean we give up. Let's see the next. That's definitely applied here in this job is being able to work fast, figure out problem solving, going and talking to the right people, having that understanding. So I feel like just doing it's doing the same thing, but like on a, on a different, bigger scale with higher education. I love that. I, we had a meeting a couple of we- weeks ago, I think, and you know, it kind of hit me where we were talking about all of these things, and that we all are kind of doing the same. We're all doing the same job, you know. We're all just trying to help students and kind of navigate through and be successful, whether we're working at diversity and inclusion or career services or cashiering (laughs) really right we're just trying to make get everybody where they need to go kind of working together no exactly and I think that's the whole thing like we're all part of the building blocks of just doing those things and creating that understanding for the student culture because that's the whole point like everything we're doing is for them so that we on the same playing field for sure talk to me about the book club Oh, I love the book club. I actually am starting to read uh, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting at the Cafeteria Table? Because that's going to be our next semester. Uh, but right now we're reading, for my uh, side of the book club, we're reading So You Want to Talk About Race. And that's always, that's really fun because <laughs> you have a group full of people, uh, 10 at the most sometimes. And then you have me, who's the, the Black under, <laughs> underrepresented person there. And then it goes, all the white privilege, you know, mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, what do you guys think? So it's just really fun getting everyone out of their boxes and being like, hey, I told them that this is a safe space. Say what you want. Ask a question. Like, hey, I didn't really understand that. And I don't think this is right that we can have that discussion. So the first week or two, I can say, was breaking the ice and making sure they felt comfortable to speak because no one wanted to say anything. because Everyone wants to talk about race, but we, we want to learn about it. But I don't want to say anything wrong because then if I say it wrong, I'm racist. And I, don't, I'm, I promise I'm not. And then it gets to this point of like chaos. So being able to talk to everyone and understand that we make mistakes and that's who we're doing the book before. So you can feel comfortable to make that mistake or not know and learn so that when you're in a position that you want to stand up and be an advocate, you can because I understand more and I feel more comfortable speaking on things because I've had those conversations. So um, the book club, I think, is a huge thing for a campus to help people to learn more, understand more, and then go out and be that warrior for equality and diversity and inclusion. Who's involved in that right now? Is it mainly faculty and staff? Are there students? Is it a mix of both? Oh, we have two different ones. So right now, I'm me and Nina have um, the students ones. I'm doing the first book, which is uh, So You Want to Talk About Race, and Nina's doing the cafeteria table with students. And then Dr. Madlet runs the faculty one that is uh, over white fragility. So, and then we're gonna work pat, work through each book and get to the white fragility one with our students at this point by spring next year for my side of it. Nina's will get to it next semester. So are these the same students? So you're working through the text, the different texts with the same students or are students coming and going? Students can come and go, but sometimes, most times you find that they'll stay because they want to hit that next level because each book goes up a notch of like understanding and depth. 
Like I'm reading, um, I started already the first chapter because the first book of So You Want to Talk About Race is giving you the basics like intersectionality, microaggressions and things that like we're doing trainings on now. So it helps to enlighten students on these situations that could be happening and put names to situations that they didn't even know were names to. Because I know I learned that. I was like, oh, that's what that's called. So being able to do that and giving them that, that base of vocabulary and then that next book is like, okay, putting those words to work, like understanding more in depth. So they usually stick with it because they want to like, you know, up their scale. And some people are like, dang, this semester, because I get as a student this semester, I have a heavier load. I can't do all that and read this book of, on this level. So that's definitely understandable. But they'll come back and join the next semester and try to pick up where they left off, which I super appreciate. I've already seen that already with somebody in one of mine as well. Relationships help too, right? Sure. You, you don't want to break that relationship. You want to keep that relationship going. I know, you know, as a student, I mean, I super appreciated everyone, staff, faculty who, you know, reached out to me, you know, because like you said, student life is kind of like, right, like the semester's yeah. early, like then the middle of the semester. And then you're like, oh, Thanksgiving or like spring break. And then you're like, <sighs> so, you know, student life, I think it's easy for us as staff. We have our own kind of cycles, but it's easy to forget how crushing it feels sometimes when you have those deadlines and those papers hanging over your head. Yeah, my sister goes here now and she was like, my professor doesn't tell me anything. I was like, yeah, you got to be a grown up now. You got to check your calendar. And she was like, I didn't know it was due. No reminders. I was like, no, you'll be fine. That freshman blues. I heard it. I've been hearing it all semester. What are some of the other things that you guys are doing programming wise or just in your office or things that you have upcoming that are that are interesting? Oh, I'm working on trying to build a retreat for um, minority student organizations so that they can have like a better understanding. Because a lot of the times what I've seen so far is that transition piece isn't really there because people, like you said, students are the presidents are usually like seniors. They're about to leave. They're trying to get things in order for themselves. And they're like, okay, now the organization's yours. Bye. And it's like, oh, hold on. And a lot of people don't have that full understanding. So it's creating a better base for minority uh, student organizations to have a setup where they can say, okay, these are the things that need to happen. And oh, here are resources that you may not have known. Because I can say when I was in SAC, I didn't know it, but it was there. I knew that like if I can go and I had it at my beck and call. Whereas for other organizations, they don't really have that because they're not based out of the OSI like that. So being able to have that understanding, that's what my biggest goal is. My biggest goal is to help build that drive for organizations here. So doing that and I'm um, in the retreat and hopefully maybe a banquet, a little black tie affair. So hoping to get that up. And that's one of the uh, bigger projects that I'm working on for myself to do here for campus. I was just saying, trying to uh, lay a foundation, kind of like homecoming, because I think that's something that we that we're missing here for real. Um, and hopefully, we're with diversity and inclusion, hoping to create a tradition that we know we're going to do, kind of like MLK Week a little bit. Like we know there's going to be MLK Week, but from what I've seen the last two years, it's kind of been up and down. So creating that solid, like we know that this banquet is going to happen every year, and we're going to go and we're going to talk about the best advocate this year, or whoever. So things like that. What does it mean to you, Brittany, to be a Bearcat? I think to me, in all my years of being here, because even when I had already graduated, you know, once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat, it would be being able to get up and gruff the day, even when you have to walk all the way to Colton from Milliken through that wind tunnel and it's a blizzard outside. Like being a Bearcat holds a lot of like I, gumption and gruff. So being able to bear through a lot of things that other places don't, like even right now with COVID, like, other campuses aren't open. They're like, oh, just stay at home. And we, we said, we're going to bear through. We're going to we're going to get our gumption and we're going to go through it. 
I can say like we're one of the toughest uh, colleges and just the, even looking at the picture of a Bearcat, it feels like that's what that gruff is, you know, just being able to, to get through like the stuff that happened over the summer. Like we said, okay, this is a problem. We got to figure out a solution. And we went through it and now we're, we're moving on and getting things put in place so that things like that don't happen. Love that. Yeah. I also lived in Millican, just like to say, you know, so I feel you right there. There was also no tower suites whenever I lived in Millican. So we referred to that that spot as the tundra because we would have to walk through like waist deep snow to get to Colden. Like nobody, sh- like we, nobody shoveled it. It was just a big field and we just had to be like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to go to class. I told you that gumption. You got to. It is. Oh, I, the, the winters here are crazy. Like if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. I don't care what people say about New York. I might know. Come to Maryville. We'll really see what you're made of. All right. Any any words of wisdom? So if you have any Bearcats who might be graduating, it is the spring semester. So I'm always thinking of our new Bearcat graduates who might be looking for jobs or, or not knowing where their, their next step is going to take them. Do you have any words of wisdom for about to graduate seniors? About to graduate is apply for every place. And like, don't feel like you have to, like you're anchored to one location, like travel. If you get a job in Brazil, go take it, go for it. Take those opportunities and make sure you're paying things forward because that always helps in the long run. Like, And I also want to give advice to people who are here, like aren't graduating is get involved and do things, build your resume. Cause I think it's one of the most crappiest things is when you graduate, like, they're like oh good, you have a degree. Where's your experience? It's like, I just graduated. I thought that's what you were for. So like being able to like say, hey, I've done these things. I have handled these things is a big thing. So don't lose out on the other opportunities you have here on campus. Like utilize them while you have them here for free. And you don't have to apply to, well, on some examples, you do have to apply, but you can get involved and then you build that camaraderie and you build those relationships that can be helpful. Don't just sit quiet and think that it's just great. There's so much more that plays a part. So doing those things will help you tremendously. Yeah, that's good wisdom. I think too, you, and you know, we always say, you know, whether or not you have a paid job when you're on campus, you have the opportunity to be in leadership in an organization. You're doing projects probably in some of your classes. Those give you experiences outside of a classroom experience. Um, volunteer. <laughs> yes. You could put volunteer work on there and it can be very, very very, very rewarding, depending on your area of study, you, you could volunteer at many different places. Um, those types of things don't require you to actually apply for a job and work, and you can still be getting good experience. And extra credit sometimes, depending on what you're doing. <laughs> uh, we all know we need some extra credit. <laughs> and, you know, I urge students all the time to get involved with your guys's programming, you know, be involved in that book club, be involved in, you know, the training opportunities you guys do, because no matter what industry you're going into, diversity and inclusion matters to employers more oh, every cool. day, every, every year, diversity and inclusion initiatives while you're a student here, that looks great on a resume too. So, And why not do it while it's free for you? Like it just, it makes sense. Take all that you can get because everything else after you graduate, you got to pay for it. <laughs> Go for it. That's the biggest word of wisdom right there. <laughs> really? Take it while you have it. All right. Well, I've been kind of ending these interviews with uh, a wide open space for you to speak your piece, whatever you have to say on this uh, I called it a twos Wednesday. This is a little bit of a short week. The, the days are all mixed up, but go for it, Brittany. This is your space. Oh, man. I don't know. I really wanted to just start singing 
Jumbo book for some reason. I'm sorry. I was like, man, I want to walk like you, talk like you, too. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I gave my wisdom. Thank you guys for having me. This was awesome. This was so, it was so laid back. It's so natural just talking to you guys and you, know, you guys listen to my boring stories <laughs> about how I was a bear cat forever and now I'm old. Oh, I'm excited for all the new things and projects that we have coming and like the new policies that we're making. And I feel like campus is growing. Like it took it. Like I tell my students all the time, they come in, they do ask me, they're like, man, I'm still upset about these things that happen. And why are we? But hey, sometimes it takes the bad to start working towards the good. So don't just see the bad and be like, oh, I'm stuck on that. It's like, look at what now the effects that is trickled and has it started. So because of that one negative thing, we have like 20 good things come from it. So I'm excited about all the new things we have coming and the future for Northwest here. Thank you so much. Those were amazing closing words. I hope I utilized the open space well. <laughs> I think you did. I think that's a great place to stop. So that'll do it for this episode of Behind the Bearcat. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>